God bless you, people of God. It's that time again. CBT time. Changed by truth. I'm your host, Minister DK, and I'm just giving you the heads up. This episode is an unusual episode where I'm really just now want to bring a word to you that's going to empower you, inform you, and encourage you within yourself for you to believe that there really is something that God wants from you. And the question is, are you willing to give it to him? So stay tuned. Open your heart. Prepare your faith. God's got a message and a blessing for you. Stay tuned. I'm coming for you. God bless you. God bless you. And God bless you. Welcome again to CBT Changed by Truth. I'm your host, Minister DK, and I'm excited to be here with you this evening. It is Easter Sunday, and it has been um, a wonderful, wonderful um, Easter Sunday for me. And I, and I pray to God that um, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever you're eating, whatever you're thinking, I pray that it's, it's not just substance for your life or just another day, but I hope and pray that you have realized and that you are realizing that God is speaking to you um, right now. Um, and this is going to be a very unique episode, one that I just sporadically wanted to do because it was something that um, was in my mind and my heart. So um, this may not be for you. This may not be for everybody. But it might be for you. Um, I want to ask you a question. What is it that God wants from you? What is it that God really and truly wants from you? And like I said, this this episode is going to be one that you're going to have to listen to. And I pray that as I um, I don't want to use the word minister, but as I talk to you in this session, I, I really wanted to get into your, your life. See, I like to say to your spirit, but I really wanted to get into your life because what God has been doing with me, he's been breaking a lot of molds, a lot of standards. He's been breaking a lot of um, customs that are in my life, allowing me to be something that I really didn't know that I wasn't. And that's he's allowing me to be free. So I want you to think about this. What is it that God really wants from you? And as you think about it, I'm going to pray and we're going to talk a bit. Amen. Father, we thank you today for your grace and your mercy. And we thank you that you allowed your blood to substitute in the place of our blood. And because you've given such a great sacrifice and because you have allowed, God, your life to cover our life. You've allowed your blood to stand in the place for our blood. You allowed your body to die that our body might live, God. We ask the simple question, what is it that you want from us? And so we pray in this episode, God, that your Holy Spirit, that your word and your love would manifest together and give us a revelation, an insight and a farsight into the door that we can live in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, like I said, what is it that God wants from you? Um, what brought this question up to me is something that is very startling even to myself because um, to make it plain to you, um, I remember when years ago God actually awakened me to the bloodline that I was born in. I remember the night that God came into my house and touched me with his hands himself. I remember when he anointed me in the same night. I remember that night that everything in my life would change forever. In other words, I had a good life before that night. You know, I've been blessed to have a mother and father. I've traveled the world with my father. Uh, he's in the military. I've been all over this world with my family. My family's not perfect, but they're perfect for me. They help. They're who God chose to actually get me into this world. 
Um, and um, I can't complain about my life and my childhood. I've been very blessed and fortunate to have a mother and father who's still living today, who have taught me right from wrong, taught me who I am, taught me how to respect people and how to honor God. Um, and I have taken those virtues. But it would be a night um, after I had gotten married that God would now enter into my life and he would reveal not just himself to me, but he would reveal himself to me, but he would reveal me to me as well. Um, from that night, my life changed in such a way where um, I began to notice supernatural things happening all around me, casting out demons, supernatural healings. I would get around people that I did not know and they would begin to do and act bizarre. Um, I become, I became the answer to a lot of things that I didn't know people was asking questions to. Um, the revelation of God began to flow in my life. My dreams began to become very active in my life. Um, the touch of my hands began to actually be the answer to healings for people and, and what have you. Um, the word of God actually became alive in me and God began to show me things in the world, in the word that would would actually later on begin to, to, to set me on a course of preaching and teaching the word of God. Um, I began to notice working in the hospital that demons um, were not comfortable around me. People who had spirits were not, were not, um, would, would act different around me um, when I came around. And all of this, all of this took place um, at the point of that night where God touched me himself. Now, when you try to explain that to people and you try to 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 allow people to understand that people look at you sideways and that's OK. Um, if you've experienced that in your life, that's OK how they look at you, because to be honest with you, this is what I've come to know. There's no way for God to touch you and people understand. Amen. There's no way for God to touch you and people understand but people are thankful for the fact that God touched you when you become the answer to their problem. And that is a burden that the chosen has to carry and the chosen of God have to deal with people not really believing or accepting or just looking past you until they need you. And so I, my life would go on and I would um, begin to go to church actively and um, I was at one church and I would get into the minister's class at that church and um, that church uh, the minister's class lasted a whole year it was a whole year that we did intensive um, ministerial training we went to the nursing homes we went to the hospital we went to the funeral homes uh, we did evangelistical outreach services. We did a whole lot. We served in church. We did communion. We did sermonettes. We, we preached and, and we, we, we served the people of God in the house and we did outreach programs for a whole year. We actually trained now what it was like to be ministers only to get to the end of that year. And the pastor then changed the whole scenario where we were supposed to get licensed and do a trial sermon. Nobody did anything. And so that was a wake up call for me. And so then the Lord would move me to another church where when I came into that church visiting for the first time, uh, the pastor sent his armor bearer up to me at my very first time coming in that church to find out what my name was as though if he knew me and nobody knew me there. And he told me that the pastor wanted me to come up front. And when I went up front, uh, the pastor looked at me in front of everybody and said, um, God wants you to walk with me as a deacon and serve here. Now you have to keep in mind, I had just went through a whole year of ministerial training to be a minister. And when I got finished with that, the Lord moved me and he would then situate me in this church. But when I got to this church, this pastor then wanted me to be a deacon. Can you imagine training a whole year to be a minister and then move to a church and that pastor wants you to be a deacon? So I submitted myself and I served as a deacon at his church for three years. And toward the end of that three years, 
um, he made me a minister. Um, but the way he made me a minister, I remember, I remember one particular night they were having a ordination services for all the ministers to be ordained and licensed. And um, I remember being in the audience with my family and all the ministers were lined up to go up and be ordained. And everybody was asking me why come I wasn't in line. And I said, I don't know. I wasn't notified. And the next day I would receive a call from the pastor's secretary telling me that I could come to the church, pick up my license as though if I was a UPS man and there wouldn't be any land of hands and so forth. And um, so I got the license. But when I read the licenses, everything on it was not involved because it wasn't true and accurate at all. Um, and so after that point, God would supernaturally move me about three and a half years later to the church that I'm at now. Um, and when I got to this church, I was supernaturally connected by the Holy Spirit himself. Um, and I say all of that, and I've been at this church for 13 years, preaching and um, um, serving at the church and, and, and ministering where I was needed to minister to. And um, I went several of years um, as, 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 the, as a minister um, serving and um, it was now be the same thing that I had been doing for the last at the last two churches. And so I wanted to share a little catch up with you to to ask you this question that that I got. I got had to ask me, what is it that God really wants from you? What is it that God is taking you through in your life to bring you to the place that he's bringing you to? And what does he want? Because I'm saved. So he already has me. I'm as devoted as I can. So I'm faithful to God. Nobody's perfect. Never want to be perfect. Never tried to be perfect. But I'm devoted to God with my life and my faith and, and, and my servitude. And what I've come to find out, people of God, is that when you ask yourself the question, what is it that God wants from you? Sometimes you cannot accept the answer if God was to answer that question. Because for myself, what I find out is what God wants from me. And I can't speak for you, but what he wants from me after taking me through all he's taken me through three churches at the same three churches, I had to go through three ministerial classes. As I went through those three ministerial classes, I got licensed at none of them. The only one I got licensed was, was the last two, and, and, and they were non void. In the last church, I had to ask for the license, and then they were given to me. And so I asked God, Lord, I love you. I serve your people. I love ministering. I go to church all the time. I go to church every Sunday. I, to be honest with you, um, I can't think of, I remember years ago, a lady asked me, when was the last time me and my family had a home cooked Sunday meal? And I couldn't answer the question because every Sunday I was in church. And see, I rode an hour and a half to get to church one way and an hour and a half back home. And she asked me, when was the last time you had a home cooked meal? And I could not answer the question because it was always McDonald's on the road for years. And I said to myself, what is it that you want from me, God, that I'm always in church? Uh, you know, and a lot of times you don't feel like you have no life until you're called to preach. And then when you get that one opportunity to preach, you feel good about yourself because it's kind of like it's what you've been waiting for and longing for uh, as far as being a minister. But when you get that moment to preach and the people say you did a good job, when you come off that pulpit, you feel just like somebody put you back on the shelf again and you're waiting. And so what happens is you, you develop a mindset of waiting to preach when you're called on. So you can get your moment to say what it is in your spirit. And a lot of the times, many people 
They don't know what they want to say. And so they choke up at that time. But what is it that God wants from you, whether you're a minister, whether you're a father, whether you're an employee, whether you're a business owner, whether you're a child of God, or whether you're none of those things. The question is, what does he want from you that he would take you through so many changes and obstacles and ups and downs in your life? What does God want? When he asked, when I asked God that question, God told me that he wanted for me to stand on my feet. He wanted for me to wake up. He wanted me to understand what the cost was to be free in Christ. He wanted me to be able to open my mouth at his command and speak what he says the way he says it. What does God want from me? The same thing he wants from you. He wants you to walk with him. Now, that sounds simple, people of God. God wants you to walk with him. God wants you. Let's 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 break that down. God wants you to walk with him. First thing you have to understand is that if my next door neighbor comes over my house and says, hey, man, let's go out and hang out, go to the shooting range or whatever the case may be. I can go hang out with him and we can go to the shooting range. Just very easy to do because I'm a man. He's a man. I'm flesh. He's flesh. You know, that's easy. But to walk with God, God is not flesh. God is not a man. God is not visible. He's not tangible. He's spirit. And because God is spirit. When you walk with God, you have to walk with him in spirit and truth. But you have to have an understanding that as you walk with God, there is a disturbance in your life called your flesh. And your flesh will kick and it will be a nuisance to you while you walk with God. And so now I find myself in the spiritual drought. Because sometimes I feel just like a spiritual junkie waiting to get on a pulpit and preach, waiting for someone to need God, waiting for me to be used in ministry, waiting for me to get the church in Sunday and get around the saints and get in that holy atmosphere. Because the truth be told, a lot of people don't feel close to God until Sunday or Bible study. That's the truth. I remember one particular Sunday that we was at church and we was worshiping. The spirit was high. We was having a wonderful time. And for my neighbor that was sitting beside me, we was interacting the whole Sunday, um, that whole morning. And when church was over between services, I decided to go get something to eat. And when I went to get something to eat, after we left from going to get something to eat, we went to a particular store. And this particular lady that was beside me in church was in this store. And so when I saw her, you know, I waved and she said nothing. She said nothing. But in church, she was on fire. See, a lot of people don't feel the presence of God unless they're in the presence of church. That's what you call a junkie, a spiritual junkie. And what we have to do, people of God, is we have to learn in order to break that habit, in order to get clean like a junkie trying to get clean or kick the habit that we have. We have to learn how to walk with God in the spirit while we understand and then we are conscious of our flesh. Because I find to be very true this day and time that a lot of people are missing who they are with God, not discovering who they are in God, not knowing their anointing in God, not understanding their call in God. Because people who are in authority have more understanding of their flesh and they feed their flesh. They take authority over their flesh. They, 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 they trap their flesh because they're strong in their flesh and people are weak in their spirit. Bible says the flesh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. When you have weak flesh, it 
allows you to be pulled to the left or to the right by someone who understands that you have value in your spirit, but your flesh now has to be fed because you're not used to walking in your spirit. What does God want from you? What does he want? Why is he allowing you to live? Why have you lived as long as you have lived? When do we break free? From the yoke of a fleshful relationship with God and walk in the true divine spirit with God. I was having a conversation with a friend and he asked me just the other day, you know, and and, and don't take this the wrong way. It's just where I'm at right now, trying to understand what God wants from me. He asked me. Did I go to church Sunday? I said, well, you know, we ain't been to church in a while because, you know, churches are really closed down for the most part. He said, no, well, that's true. He said, but I meant, did you do it virtually? And I said, no, I didn't. And then I said, did you do it? He said, yeah, I, I, I zoomed in. I logged on. I said, how was the word? He said, the word was good. I said, what was the word about? He said, um... Ah, and he struggled to tell me what the word was about. Now, this brother saved and he he's a minister. And I find that people listen and tune in and log in. And when we were in church, they go to church religiously and faithfully to be in the atmosphere of being in God's presence. But the question that I, I asked him is that for as much as you go to church, Two times on a Sunday, Bible study and week, midweek service on Thursday. How is it that your life has not changed? Your gifting has not multiplied. Your sensitivity of your spirit has not increased. And many people who have a religious um, activity with God. They're always in that atmosphere because it gives them belief that they're somebody but if you need them to break a yoke if you need them to rebuke a spirit if you need to to actually go into the spirit realm and intercede from them you'll find out that they have no access and so my question is is that how is going to church all the time beneficial with you when you're the same person you were five years ago when you was going to church all the time. Now this may be a little wayward for you, but just bear with me because I want to explain something. As I sit back and I look at the world, the world is in need now of a manifestation. Hear what I'm saying? I didn't say the church was in need of a manifestation. The world is in need of a spiritual manifestation. Let me split that up to make sense. The reason why the world is in chaos and the reason why the world has no respect for God the way they should is because there's been there's been a lot of church, but there's been no manifestation. There's been no manna, manna, heavenly bread. Manna in the Bible was what God produced. It was heaven's bread. It's what fell from the sky because God now was supplying the children of Israel his food. And they say that when you ate manna, whatever you desired, the manna tasted like that. So if you desired steak, the manna tasted like steak. If you desired filet mignon, the, the manna tasted like filet mignon. If you tasted, if you, if you desired uh, uh, lasagna, it tasted like lasagna. Whatever your desire was, that's what the manna tasted like. And God provided manna. The world now is in need of a manifestation of God that comes through a man or a woman of God. But the reality of it is, is that very few people can produce manna, which means they can they can't produce now what's in their spirit. <laughs> Your spirit produces manna and people can't 
uh, who church all the time, who quote scripture all the time, who shout and run. Uh, that's wonderful. Don't get me wrong. But I don't need for you to shout, run and jump when I need a manifestation of God so I can know that he's real. And I find that the reason why the world has no respect for the church is because the church can't produce manna. People of God have a problem producing a manifestation of God, but yet we belong to God. Remember, the question is, what does God want from you? Because I find it hard to believe that a child of God cannot produce a manifestation of God if you're walking with God. That is, that's crazy. Hallelujah. Moses, let's look at him for a minute. Moses went up on a mountain because God appeared to him for the first time in his life in an image of a burning bush. And so Moses said, I'll go over and see this strange sight. And he goes over to see something strange and God begins to talk to him. And Moses and God have a conversation for the first time in Moses' adult life now. In his adult life. God tells Moses who he is, what he's going to do, what he was born to do. You're born to be the deliverer. I'm going to send you to Egypt, the place that you came from, and you're going to do a work there. And I'm going to bring my people out of bondage by your life because you were born to do this. What he was telling Moses is that I'm going to equip you. And I'm going to send you. And when I send you into this heathen land, into this land that they worship men, that they're in bondage in, uh, that that they they have a job, they're slaves, they work nine to five and and they're under the bondage of, of a taskmaster who supplies them with everything that they need. I'm going to send you in there. And you're going to set folk free with two things, Moses. For one, I'm going to give you a slogan. And two, I'm going to give you power. The slogan that I want you to say, Moses, is to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. That's the word. Moses stayed on the mountain For a period of who knows how long he was talking to God. But when he came down, he came down with the word. Let my people go. And then God gave him a staff and told him that he was going to perform signs and wonders and miracles with the staff. The staff now represents Moses's ability to produce. Here we go. A manifestation of God. And Moses went into Egypt and he did exactly what God said. He called frogs out of the Nile. He called the deaf angel in. He called boils to come on to cattle. He calls the firstborn Egyptians to die. He turned water into blood. He caused darkness to fall over all of Egypt for three days. He performed manifestations of God because He was walking with God, in God, in his assignment. Now, if God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he is, the question that I want to bring up to you when I ask you, what does God want from you? How many times have you produced a manifestation in your life if you have a relationship with Jesus? The reason why many people have not produced, watch this, a manifestation and you're saved, you go to church, you pray, you fast, you sing in the choir, you do a lot of things in the operation of the system of church. But you still, when you call on God for the help, the prayer, the healing, the deliverance of somebody, many people can't produce a manifestation. So they contact leadership. An elder, a pastor, they call, they contact somebody 
because they don't have the ability to produce a manifestation. Now, this is the question I want to ask you, getting back to Moses. If Moses, when he met God on the burning bush, he was in Midian. That's where he was at. God told him, I want you to go to Egypt. And in Egypt, I'm going to open your mouth and I'm going to produce a manifestation so people can understand that you being a man, you bring a festation of the spirit of God because you belong to me. Moses would have never been able to produce and do the work that he was born to do if he had stayed in Midian. If he had stayed in Midian, he would have only been the employee of his father-in-law, Jethro. Everything that God wanted to do in Moses had nothing to do with where he was established, where he was living, where he was comfortable, where he had his 401k plan, where he had now taken up life for 40 years, got married and had children. Everything that God wanted to do with Moses had nothing to do with where he decided to live and settle down. And many of us now in the body of Christ cannot produce a manifestation because we refuse to get up and walk with God. In order for God, in order for Moses to come into the purpose of his life, he had to walk with God. What do you mean? God told him to go to Egypt. So he packed up and he walked at the command of God into the destiny place that God would now bring forth a manifestation out of Moses because it's what he was born to do. There was no way that Moses would get in Egypt and God not manifest so the world could see it, so Pharaoh could break down, so the Egyptians could know that he is God, so the people of God would believe in God and understand that we've been in bondage, but God has heard our prayer. Why did God hear our prayer? Why is God doing all these miracles in Egypt now? I can imagine the people of Israel saying, God, this one man comes into this place and things begin to happen for us. God is bringing us out. Why is God answering our prayer? He's not answering your prayer because he's good and God is good. He's answering your prayer and they were seeing the result of their prayer because a man decided to walk with God. Oh, hallelujah. Mm. Now watch this. Let me mess with you some. The Bible never recalls from the time that Moses left Egypt and ran to Midian, stayed 40 years, and then God talked to him in the burning bush, told him to go to Egypt, and Moses went back to Egypt, and he delivered the people out of bondage and brought them out. The Bible never talks about Moses being in church, doing ministerial preaching on a pool. He never talked about him serving in a building. But yet he brought forth the power of God. He brought forth the strength of God. Millions were blessed because of the obedience of Moses to walk with God. And if God is the same yesterday, today and forever, the reason why you have not seen the power of God in your life is because just maybe you have not moved like God has called you to move. Glory to God. And so now back to me. I find myself at this stage in my life being through three churches, going through three ministerial classes, preaching for three different people. I still find myself at this point falling asleep because life has taught me now that if you're going to be a good minister, you have to be organized with an organized mindset, working in an organization. And mainly, to be honest with you, most of the time when you're doing ministerial work and you're in an organization and you're preaching, and you're doing the things of God, which is wonderful for the people of God. God didn't call us to win people who are saved. He called us to win those who are lost. You bringing forth a manifestation for people who belong to God is no great thing. Bible says, what have you done by doing something? What have you done by loving somebody that loves you? You've done nothing. 
Oh, you should be grateful to pray for somebody that's saved and to believe God with them. That's, that's a wonderful thing. But the Bible says if you love somebody that loves you, you've done nothing. But he says love those who don't know you. Love those who don't know your God. Love those who, who are strange to you and you're strange to them. And then you will see and feel the presence of God. Oh, hallelujah. What does God want from you? He wants you to stand on your feet and walk with him. Only when you walk with God will you see the weaknesses in your flesh. Only when you walk with God will your habits become minute. Only when you walk with God, watch this, will your past now make sense dealing with your future. Only when you walk with God. With the pains and the disappointments that's behind you, fuel you and give you revelation for the strength that you and the work you have to do in front of you. Hallelujah. Yesterday. I was in Dollar General and I stopped through there to pick up something I needed real quick on the way home. And I'm standing in line. Got my mask on and I'm there and there's a girl in front of me and she has a buggy that's really full of stuff. And I like, oh, my God, I'm going to be here all day, <laughs> you know, and she had just let a man go in front of her who had about five items. And I said, oh, my God. So I just nestled down and stood there and I'm looking at her. And she looks at me. She said, happy Easter. And I said, happy Easter to you, too. And she says, yeah, I love holidays. I love all holidays. I said, glory to God. Amen. That's wonderful. She said, I do. I, I really do. I love all holidays. You know, she said, I don't have a lot in life. And she was about 36 years old. She said, I don't have a lot in life. But when the holidays come, I will spend 100 or $200 just buying everything to celebrate that holiday. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I was thinking you're right because you got about seventy eight dollars of stuff in the Dollar General store. So, you know, it wasn't big things, it was little bitty, bitty, bitty things. And she says, you know, I don't have a lot of material things, but she said, who needs them? I have love and God has just blessed me. I said, amen. She said, yeah, God has just blessed me. He keeps blessing me. And, and, I, and she said, who needs material things anyway? You know, I got a family and I got a child that loves me. And God, she said it again, God just keeps blessing me. And I just, I'm so thankful to be able to celebrate any holiday that gives God the attention and the love. And while she was talking, people of God, the man that she had let go in front of her, he was looking at her like she was strange. He was looking at me like I was strange. And the, the cashier that was ringing him up, they both was looking at us because we were we were locked into a conversation between me and her. Now, what was happening here now was the spirit that she was releasing and me backing and supporting and listening to her. Our spirit began to fumigate the atmosphere of Dollar General. So everybody that was around us now was falling captive now. To the anointing that me and this female were talking about. After a while, she says, you know what? I'm just I'm just so happy. And then I said to her, you know what? Don't let nobody steal your joy, because not only are you blessed, but it sounds like you're highly favored by God. And she said, thank you so much. And then she reached into her buggy and she got a chocolate bunny out on a stick and she said, happy Easter. And she gave me a chocolate bunny. And I said, wow. I said, thank you. That means a lot. And, and what, I, what I realized, it wasn't about the chocolate bunny. It wasn't about where I was at. What was happening was while me and her were talking now, we now were walking with God in conversation of what was coming out of our mouth and people in the store now were being touched by God. Oh shit, they were, we were, they were being touched by God. 
And what was odd about it that threw me off, and I'll admit this, when I looked at this young lady, she's a Caucasian lady, but she 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 looked like a punker, a, a heavy metal type punker lady. She had tattoos on her arms, she had a tattoo on her neck, and she, you know she she just wasn't dressed well, but she was full of the spirit of God, and because. She was full of the spirit of God. And because I was connecting and giving God praise, we created a manifestation right in the store. <laughs> See, what, what we fail to realize is that the longer we keep our mouth closed, and if we only open our mouths in church, if we only bless God when we get blessed, if we only give God praise when he does something for us, then we only... Awesome. We only submit it to God because we think he submitted to us. But God wants to use your mouth and wants you to walk with him to produce a manifestation in this world. So people can come under the arrest of the goodness of Jesus Christ. Oh, glory to God. What does he want from you? God wants you to stand on your feet and be free enough to be used by God. Be free enough to be moved by God. Be free enough to let God present you in a situation for his glory. I've got to the point, people of God, that doing church stuff and ministerial stuff and being a minister and doing the same thing over again every, every Sunday and preaching to the same people in the same pulpit over and over. I've gotten to the point now where it's caused me to fall up under a spirit of sedation. Oh, I, I love the people of God. But I'm hungry now to produce a manifestation. I'm hungry now to see the glory of God. I'm hungry now to be used by God. I'm hungry enough now to put myself in a place that only God can get me out of. And when God gets me out of that place, people will see a move of God because I allowed myself to be somewhere where only God could get the glory out of it. Your life, people of God, talking to you. Your life is nothing. If you're saved, if you have a relationship with God, you ain't got to be a super saint and whatever. But if you're saved and claim the name of Christ and you belong to God, then that means that your life is nothing more than bait. B-A-T-E. And God uses bait to catch things. Glory to God. But in order for God to catch things with your life, he has to send you somewhere that may be uncomfortable with you. He has to send you somewhere that people don't recognize you. He has to send you somewhere that may seem like you're going to be in harm's way. Many people uh, don't, they don't, they don't see the glory of God because they only want to be glorified in the light. But you got to think about it. If you're the light of the world and we are because we have Christ and every man who has Christ has the light of the world because he's the light of the world. If you're the light of the world and you're trying to be glorified in light, meaning the house of God around the people of God, light and light equals light. Nobody's glorified in that because you can't see your light when you're in a house of light. But if you're going to be used by God, God will send you into a realm of darkness. Glory to Jesus and when light gets into darkness now, oh, everything is drawn to the light because everything around it is dark. Even things in the dark are drawn to light. Oh, You've you witnessed it before. I remember one time we went out to eat in the middle of August and we got back home. It was about 930 at night and we got out of the car and, and I was carrying one of my babies and my wife was carrying the other one and we went to the door and there were so many bugs. We left the light on at the porch. There were so many bugs around the door that we had to, we had to go through the back door because the back door, the light was off and there were no bugs there. See, light draws darkness to you. Light draws darkness to you. If you're saved and you're on your job, you should be drawing darkness. 
If you're saved and you're around your family, you should be drawing darkness. If you're saved, watch this, and you're in church, you should be drawing darkness. Mm, what is darkness? Problems, issues, people with, with hangups and flaws, people of the world. But God can't get you to draw nothing if you just want to be in a place that's glorified. I've come to find out that regardless of where I'm at in my life, I don't care how dark it is. I'm always glorified because Christ, the living one of the son of God, lives in me. That's why when Jesus prayed, he said, now, Father, glorify me that I may glorify you. When you belong to Christ, you you live in him and he lives in you. And because he lives in you, he lights up the inside of you, which is your faith. And that's why he can send you into a place or a circumstance or a situation that has no light because you are the light. But he can't get you there to get people to come to him if you won't walk with him. And if you won't walk with him, there can be no manifestation if you decide that you don't want to leave your station. Oh, glory to God. What does God want from you? What are you waiting for? So many people are going to come to the end of their life and translate over into the spirit realm and stand before God. And they're not going to have a record of doing anything with the name of Jesus because they will decide that they would walk with other people, other organizations, their job, what they wanted. And they never walk with God. Hallelujah. So I just wanted to encourage you. Ask yourself the question. When is the last time your faith, your relationship with God, your proclamation that you're saved? When's the last time you produced a manifestation? When the last time have you seen the spirit of God move? When the last time have demons cried out because you were around? When's the last time supernaturally somebody was healed because you loved them or because you sat in their atmosphere? When's the last time you prayed and saw the result of that prayer as soon as you finished? When's the last time somebody got around you and began to talk with you and out of no way just begin to cry and did not know the reason why? When's the last time somebody felt the man that you are that can produce the God that you serve? Hallelujah. I just want to talk and share with you. This wasn't a scheduled episode, but it was a real episode. And I'm finding out now that the world is making everything about being in church, but God has closed the church down. Because he don't need a churchification. He needs a manifestation, which means if he's going to get a manifestation, he's got to be able to send you somewhere on assignment, send you somewhere to win a soul, send you somewhere. So you will open your mouth and declare his word. It ain't about being a minister. All you got to do is have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And obey him. And God said he'll do the rest. Father, I bless you and I'll give you glory. I thank you, God, that somebody somewhere heard this. That somebody recognizes that even though they claim the name of Christ, they have not seen the miraculous in their life. What good is it to be saved, God, if we're always safe? Safe faith is no faith. If we're going to have faith, God, that can break the yoke of the enemy, faith that can change the atmosphere, faith that can break the bonds and the chains of the devil, then we have to be able to walk with you, God, recognizing that we're flawed, that we're messed up, that we have issues. But in our spirit, we're as perfect, God, and righteous and holy as you are because we are your righteousness. 
I pray for every believer listening to this recording. I pray that their faith maximizes. I pray that they begin to walk with you, God, and leave some people, some things, some organizations in the past. God, teach us how to do what you did when you turned the world upside down, when you began to spread and distribute the world after you were crucified. Bible says, Lord, that the veil in the temple was torn from the top to the bottom, which signifies that your spirit came out of the synagogue, out of the temple, Lord. You came out of the building so the world could experience your power. Teach these people in this world how to come out of the building, how to come out of the temple, how to tear the veil, God. We have so many people trying to sew the veil back up to keep you bound so they can manipulate people. But God, teach people the true power of freedom with you. And we'll give you glory and we'll honor you. Now, God, release the miraculous. Release, God. Supernatural manifestations release God people who will obey the spirit of the word of God that comes to them in dream comes to them by way of visitor comes to them by way of stranger comes to them by way of radio or television. Let them taste to see that you are good and we'll give you glory in the name of the father, the son and the precious Holy Spirit in Jesus most miraculous and divine name. Amen and amen. Hey, people of God, I just wanted to share my heart with you. Believe me. What God wants from you, you're able to give him. If you believe him, believe in God more than you believe in yourself. And you'll find out that God can keep you to himself despite yourself. And when God decides to keep you because you believe in him more than you believe in yourself, people will see the manifestation of God in your life. And remember, it don't make a difference what nobody think. We're only changed by truth. Because only truth can change us. God bless you. Stay in power. Stay encouraged. And remember, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Glory to God. Amen. Peace out. Well, people of God, I pray that message was edifying to your soul. Hey, listen, this was just a special episode for those who are true soldiers in God, for God and with God. Anytime the Lord drops something in your heart, take it for real, because you have to understand he anointed you. To carry his gifting and his power. And that word right there was for the soldiers who are willing to stand for God in the power of God against whatever comes your way. Stay encouraged, be anointed, be blessed, and most of all, be exactly who God says you are. Until next time, until the next episode, special episode, keep fighting. And keep believing. God bless you.